Happy New Year! <laughs> Welcome to Shortcut the Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. <laughs> and this is your podcast for January 3rd, 2021, the second Sunday after Christmas, but the first Sunday in the new year. Bruce, how are you doing? I'm being a stick in the mud saying... <laughs> First Advent was the new year. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. There's yes. Uh, in 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 traditional church fashion, there are at least like I don't know uh, three three services uh, technically on the lectionary um, list uh, or so. That uh, no, maybe only two. Um, besides the lectionary uh, uh, for. Um, this what? Sunday. <laughs> you have totally lost me, so I bet you've lost everyone else. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, on, on the uh, on the lectionary website, there there are other services uh, uh, that technically exist on January first. Right. So yeah, this is actually the, the holy name, for instance. Yeah, holy name of Jesus. New Year's Day. There's a New Year's Day service uh, that they have uh, uh, readings and everything for lowest attended ever. <laughs> <laughs> And then the I, second Sunday after Christmas. So I, I was director years ago of a very high church parish that we did a daily Eucharist, including New Year's Day. And yeah, it would go. be me and the retired rector. <laughs> a, a, uh, uh, so it started so, the tradition, of course. Right. Okay. <laughs> I hope it wasn't uh, like a two fire and brimstone. That would be very awkward with only one person in the audience. <laughs> Let us consider all sins and offenses before the Lord. <laughs> this person really is talking directly to me. Uh, right. I have I have no chance of feeling otherwise about it. <laughs> that always was the awkward moment when celebrating a weekday Eucharist with one other person. <laughs> and the, yeah, I had to yell something for revelation or something. <laughs> Don't take this personally, ma'am, but here you but, go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're here voluntarily. <laughs> Maybe even God led you here. I'll leave it to you. <laughs> I, was like, I just wanted to get in out of the heat. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of uh, lectionary uh, uh, choices and, and options, uh, uh, we should do some clarifying just in case uh, people are super paying attention to the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't uh, want them to run into a tree because you're reading the wrong. Wrong which is <laughs> which is which is uh to, to say uh apparently uh we weren't paying as much attention uh but uh there there are differences in lectionary setups and for whatever reason uh the difference in the website that you and i use for podcast um and the uh the i, I think it's put on a calendar but i forget exactly who puts it out um the 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 lectionary list that's used at the church which includes like all those daily offices uh, daily services as well uh had a different reading for uh for sunday so we discussed a different reading on sunday than what was actually on our church our online worship service right we did uh, Luke chapter two, we, verse 22 to 40 that's what we discussed at at, at our last podcast right and the for the worship, we use the first chapter of John. Mm -hmm. yep. And so we'll swap that around and we'll talk about the first chapter of John today. And if you attend the online worship this coming Sunday, the podcast that I'll prep you for it is the gospel portion of last time. Right, right. So, so, uh, so th it'll be... You'll you'll have two different experience have had two different experiences these these two weeks. Uh, uh, you're prepped, you're pre-prepped uh, for this Sunday's gospel, and uh, it'll be a uh, and it'll be a a t uh, look back discussion about last week's gospel today. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I'll be honest. We've confused ourselves a little bit, uh, or at least I have. Um, As the old saying goes, it's all good, <laughs> right? 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 It's all, it's all, it's all the Bible. Um, we yeah, get, we, I mean, it's we'll, not like we're saying, oh, we accidentally looked at a satanic text last time, so. <laughs> <laughs> right? <clears throat> so uh, we we do hope that everyone had a fantastic Christmas. Uh, yes. At the point that this comes out, depending on when you listen to it, uh, we hope that you either have 
or have had a happy new year. Um, and uh, if you missed out on, uh, felt like you missed out on any of the church services, uh, with the exception of Sunday morning uh, Zoom church uh, uh, that we Christ- that, that Christmas you did. Day Zoom church. Yeah, that's what I meant. I said Sunday. <laughs> The coffee's not flowing yet, folks. Um, yeah, the uh, uh, the Chris- Christmas Day Zoom church. I don't, I don't think that's online, but we have our children's Christmas Eve service online. We have our Lessons and Carols service online. We have our Midnight Mass service online. And a uh, and then it's the first Sunday after Christmas service, which was uh, this past Sunday, is also online. So if you've missed any of that, you're uh, more than welcome to go to our YouTube channel at HFEC Videos uh, and uh, enjoy plenty of uh, very beautiful pieces of uh, of church service work. Uh, um, yeah, the music was fantastic. I mean, those was, are pieces I'm going to listen to all year. Yeah, the music was 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 great. Turned in by people all throughout the congregation. Uh, um, um, Children performing preludes, families performing uh, hymns, uh, uh, the, the choir uh, put together uh, some pieces, uh, the, a women's quartet put together a piece. Uh, I mean, it was just... It, it, was, yeah. it just it goes was, on and on in a wonderful it, way. It was wonderful. The children did a, a, a kind of a... A, a act an acting out a play uh, of the uh, actually gospel. the opposite a reader's theater because they didn't reader's really... theater yeah that's a good that's yeah. a much better way to play they weren't it. Yeah. costumed or anything that's true but they that's were true. adorable but a true actor needs not a costume um yeah, and, and <laughs> i gotta admit your daughter blew it out of the water she was a fantastic angel she was. That's, that's what I thought. I thought she yeah. did a great job. She didn't want to hear it from me, so I'll have to tell her uh, that, oh, that yeah. uh, someone else said that. Um, yeah. And I've, I've heard that from many parishioners, so do pass it along. They were really impressed with their work. Good, 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 good. We'll inflate her ego yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of opportunities. So yeah. especially in the holiday season... Uh, uh, feel free to go back and enjoy uh, that. I might start pulling apart uh, uh, some of those individual pieces so that they can be, That'd um, be nice. uh, put on. So you can skip my parts and just go right <laughs> through the good stuff. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, who needs the welcome or the, you know. <laughs> Prayer. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> no, actually, I seriously think you should do that. <laughs> People will want to go right to the music or the children's readers' theater. Yeah, the, the the children's stuff uh, in particular. I think there will be a lot of of, of desire to see, um, mm-hmm. uh, be able to see those pieces individually. So, um, but yeah, so it, it was uh, it was a joyous time. Uh, I'm still very tired from it. <laughs> yeah, this is the first morning I woke up feeling like I had full consciousness. Yeah, yeah, and as you could probably already tell on the podcast, it's it's it my my consciousness is is there but barely. Um, hit and miss. <laughs> it's hit and miss. I'm fading in and out. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I'll try it, to carry a big guy. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> you watch us just literally start reading the wrong thing. Um, uh, but yeah, before yeah, we... since we're, I don't know, 20 miles from each other, I can't just whack you with a yardstick. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, oh, to be, to be uh, slapped upside the head to, to, to bring me back into the conversation. <laughs> well, let's, um, let's go to what is no longer the word of the day and now the person of the day, um, which uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot of stumping on. Yeah. Um, because it, believe it or not, it, it, the, it, this really is the, the, it's, it's called the glossary on the website, but it, the, the little logo says an Episcopal dictionary of the church inside a dictionary. There are a lot of people, uh, that they have on here. So I'm going to just kind of start at the beginning and, and identify, uh, uh, in a way, maybe pay homage to, um, um, many people that the website have uh, chosen to um, um, laud accomplishments or, or good work that people have done uh, over centuries uh, and uh, see 
how many how many uh, you know and, uh, and and what they've what their main accomplishment is so yeah and with, si since we're already in tangent land this morning i'll add in that these probably are technically saints in the episcopal church and in the Ooh. Episcopal Church, you don't have to have a certain number of miracles or something attributed to you, as in the Roman Catholic tradition. But rather, it's just you led a life that's worth remembering and can inspire others. Hmm. And okay. so you don't even have to be a Christian to be an Episcopal saint. They're, they're rare, but you don't have to be. Um, and you certainly don't have to be Episcopalian. Many of our saints were not. Yeah, so they okay. Come, and if you want to read a book only of those, which is available free online for downloading, it's Holy Women, Holy Men. That's the, the latest edition. Interesting. Yeah. Now, I, I guess I didn't know that. I mean, I kind of I knew that we had a different uh, level of requirement to be kind of saying. And, and, and I think, yeah. you know, we all we, we, we especially celebrating All Saints Day. You know, one thing that would sound and feel familiar is that we are all saints of God. Right. Um, but uh, so I think we uh, knowing ahead of time that there was a difference, you know, certainly we weren't uh, uh, of the mindset that you had to perform three miracles yeah. uh, and, and, and then die. Um, <laughs> Actually, in the Roman tradition, you, you can do the miracles after death. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah. OK. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I, I knew it was different. I didn't know it was it was necessarily that different. So that's that, that is interesting. Um, yeah, so, so and and we have, I there used to be a figure, but it's always shifting a bit. But the, the Roman Catholic Church literally has thousands more than we do. Hmm. Uh, interesting. I think our numbers right around six hundred at the most. It might be well below that, hmm. and the, the Roman Catholic tradition has thousands. Gotcha. So those would be saints with a big S. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, well, your first potential saint, it doesn't actually say, it, it does not identify that in any of the people that I kind of filtered yeah. through on, uh, this morning um, to kind of pre-choose. But your first person uh, of the day is William Adams. I went with such a normal sounding name. I figured, I, I, I assumed it would stump you for sure. <laughs> England or North America? Hmm. Both. Oh, darn. Okay, no idea. <laughs> he was one of the founder, founders of the Nashita House. Uh, he was born in Monaghan, uh, Ireland. Received his Bachelor of Arts in 1836 from Trinity College in Dublin. And then two years later, he came to the United States and entered the General Theological Seminary in New York uh, Which at the time was the only seminary we had in North America. Or no, right? I should say in the United States. Right, in the United States. Uh, uh, ordained uh, deacon in, in 1841 uh, and moved to Wisconsin with James Lloyd uh, Breck, Breck, two of his classmates, James Lloyd, Bre James Lloyd Breck and John Henry Hobart Jr. To those, do are, and th those are the two that are more famous about this activity. Right, 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 right. To do missionary How do you say work, right on that. You didn't know that. <laughs> uh, there's a little blurb about. Uh, um, uh, okay, okay. Great. You could tell they were like you know well known for you know and yeah. I was like okay yeah that makes sense. They uh, are on the saints calendar. Okay, there those you go. Those two, but not Adams. To do missionary work under Bishop Jackson Kemper, who's also uh, the founding bishop of the Episcopal Church in Indiana. Mm -hmm. That was the, that was the other reason why I chose this. Uh, they formed the Nashita Mission and formed the Nashita House. That, that may be the way it should be pronounced in Native American lingo, but we, we've been calling it Neshota House for Neshota. a long okay. time, it which may very, also be the correct pronunciation. It very well. It very well could. Uh, I, 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 am, I am definitely not a Wisconsinite, uh, so I, I'm not going to pronounce it correctly. Uh, anyways, but yeah, it's it's outside of a it's outside of Milwaukee, mm -hmm. uh, and he is buried there. He he served as a professor of systematic divinity, uh, and for fifty years. Uh, Holy right from eighteen forty three. Didn't have a pension fund then. <laughs> right, eighteen forty three to eighteen ninety three. 
uh, and he died there and is buried there. So uh, yeah, Neshota House it's it's an interesting place to visit. It was the next geographically closest seminary to the one I attended in Chicago or Evanston, Illinois, um, Seabury Western Theological Seminary, and so they were quote unquote our rivals and. Often, uh, someone who wanted to be a priest would decide between the two if they were in the Midwest. And we would play them every year in football in Wisconsin and in softball in Evanston. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so three times uh, while I was a student, I spent the day in, at Neshota House and then a couple times as an alum and went up there. It's a gorgeous gorgeous little campus and with a massive graveyard because they have a very strong tradition tradition of the alums being buried on the property hmm Hmm. and And who knows maybe that kind of started with uh oh yeah well uh, actually he was probably kind of late (laughs) yeah 50 years (laughs) yeah it's probably someone who graduated 20 years before he was the first um but it's a it's known as the highest church seminary in the Episcopal Church. They've flirted with leaving the Episcopal Church at times because of their more conservative theology, but the and I haven't had a check for three or four years, but last I heard they're still in the Episcopal fold and um, kind of worth a visit if you're ever up north of um, Milwaukee. It's very pretty. Have a beautiful yeah. chapel. Yeah, I was I was looking at the pictures uh, here this morning before uh, we started recording, and yeah, it is gorgeous looking. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. it is beautiful, uh, uh, it, which doesn't surprise me. There are a lot of a lot of the area up there in uh, uh, Wisconsin, um, especially southern southern Wisconsin, uh, yeah. before it gets too tundra like uh, <laughs> uh, in in the northern part, uh, um, is is just absolutely gorgeous. That it reminds me a lot of uh, of uh, um, uh, northwestern Michigan. Uh, um, oh yeah, yeah, in, yeah. Um, Very similar to that. Um, kind of a kind of a look and feel, but yeah. Uh, so that was your person of the day, William Adams, uh, in the eighteen hundreds. It came had from to be someone from my rival seminary. <laughs> you <laughs> know what's me, funny okay. is you say what? that though, and I like tradi- like historically religious rivals uh, would 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 come with it some some uh, so probably some very terrible stories in the Episcopal Church. <laughs> church rivals seems like such a. Uh, such a uh, a, a soft. Uh... Oh, yeah. It's like it really is like okay. It's the show house. We're going to buy a cheaper keg of beer, you know. Right. <laughs> and 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 part of the point of it was before and after we do uh, the athletic contest. We do lots of praying and socializing together, and it was it was to build bonds with each other because we would be working together for the rest of our lives as priests. Um, yeah. And, and that did work. Um, one other f- nice fact about Neshota House is that the reason it was built where it was is that at least the two more famous people, I can't speak for Adams, what, were very, very interested in what I'll call appropriate missionary work with American mm. Indians. And what that meant was that they spent a lot of time learning the languages and living with um, the various tribes in their villages and earning their own keep. And only after really getting to know the languages, the culture, and the people did they start to talk about Christ. Hmm. And so Neshota House was, the, at the time, one of the most distant outposts of the Episcopal Church and really was founded to be sort of a missionary station for the people working with the native tribes to come back to well to get their training and then be able to come back for a, a week-long retreat or something and be supported in this um very community-based evangelism hmm. it was the exact opposite of most of north american evangelism which was at times almost literally believe in jesus and get baptized or we're going to give you this polio infected blanket or smallpox infected blanket <laughs> I mean, yeah, which is which is uh, not unique, obviously, to North America. Uh, mm-hmm. Was uh, very much, uh, pretty much the standard uh, uh, version of missionary America's. work. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, that's interesting. That's a very yeah. So Neshota House gets gets real credit for that. Cool. Very cool. Well, uh, let's move on uh, to the first reading today. <clears throat> Excuse me. Which is uh, Jeremiah thirty-one verse seven through fourteen. For thus says the Lord, sing aloud with gladness for Jacob and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise and say, save, O Lord, your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I am going to bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth. Among them, the blind and the lame, those with child and those in labor together. A great company, they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with consolations I will lead them back. I will lead them, I will let them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble, for I have become the father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, He who scattered Israel will gather him, and will keep him as a shepherd, as a shepherd a flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall become like a watered garden, and they shall never languish again. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will give the priests their fill of fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my bounty, says the Lord. So, based on the tone of this part in Jeremiah, um, is this is this written concurrently with the second author of Isaiah? More third Isaiah. Okay. But you were close. So obviously you were close. And yes, it should very much remind you of those comforting Isaiah words. Okay. So they're like on their way back uh, when, when he's writing this, when the prophet uh, Jeremiah is writing this part? Well, that's another interesting thing is that part of this scholars do not believe was written by Jeremiah. The, the first hmm. portion of this reading. Um, because um, I want to make sure I get the verses right so I'm going to double check my notes here um, because Jeremiah had no interest whatsoever in his other writings about restoration of um, the country he was much mm -hmm. more interested in restoration of the spirit of the people and individuals mm -hmm. and so there, there are parts of this reading that um imply and before and after it's much more explicit about the restoration of the monarchy which mm. jeremiah would have thought was a terrible idea because it had only gotten them in trouble um but consequently this is perhaps even no i won't say that because that, that's speculation on my own part so this passage is a combination of jeremiah bits and other mm -hmm. bits that are probably later. And so we don't know whether the author of Jeremiah was still writing at the time that the people were coming back. We don't know that for sure. But this certainly seems to be a, like with Third Isaiah, they're back, they're looking around going, why did we ever come back? And these are words of comfort and encouragement. Okay, so so it's specifically like things like uh, the ver verse nine there talking about Ephraim is my firstborn. Yeah, uh, or like uh, things that scholars look at and they go, "Well, that doesn't sound like Jeremiah at all." Yeah, <laughs> why is he suddenly <laughs> talking about this guy? <laughs> right, I've done that before. <laughs> um, uh, interesting that that. See, those kind of things really do interest me where it's like, uh, yeah, we're pretty sure that this author actually didn't say this and somebody else came in after the fact and like, we really should talk about the monarch. <laughs> we should well, really reestablish that. <laughs> at, really, at the time this was written, which was roughly um, 
580s BC or mm-hmm. before BCE, if I should, I should say, that it was a time when people were not nearly, nearly as concerned about primary authorship as we are today. I mean, there, no yeah. one worried about plagiarism. People just wanted to communicate good ideas. I got gotcha. you. So the the various people who would have been quote unquote editing and making additions to the book of Jeremiah would have been doing it faithfully as believers in what Jeremiah was trying to say and trying to keep it up to date. Hmm. Hmm. And so I was like, okay, now we're back. We don't want people to forget this book. So we need to say something about what it means to be what we would now call post-exilic and make Jeremiah's preaching still relevant, which they did very successfully because here we are reading it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that is very true. Um, and I guess that's, that, that's, that's like I said, the, the, the part that does interest me is it's kind of more, as we go through these readings, uh, a study in humanity as to like what influences what and, and what are the, what are the intentions of the author or authors in this case? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can kind of tell that the original author has, one intention and the side story is like oh yeah there's there's probably little bits and edits in here from other authors because they have a very specific thing that they want uh to to inject or include in the discussion that the original author didn't say um and and it's not so much yeah i I agree it's not so much about plagiarism it's just that that those influences external influences that uh affect uh, uh, the words and the meanings of of these uh, some of these writings, and and it hasn't, and it, and it continues today because as you as we see different uh, uh, variations in uh, translations, some right. of those too also have um, intentions. There will be some a translator right. who will go through a reading and go, hmm, that seems a little harsh. I want to soften this language a little bit, <laughs> and they make the conscious choice to. You know. Or what, what's really been such an um, influential text over later English translations is the King James Bible. Mm-hmm. And so the, it's, it's almost, okay, we're in, it's almost like the rules around overturning uh, play in any professional sport or college, be it instant replay, there has to be a preponderance of information to show that the original call was not correct. Mm-hmm. And so later translators with a certain with a small number of exceptions have not changed mistakes that were made in the King James Bible because it could be translated that way. You know, it may be the least probable, but because it was done that way in the reign of King James, we have we still have to live with it now if we're picking up that particular Bible huh. translation. Huh. So in a sense the the editors of all the all the hebrew scriptures um, were dealing with those same issues and so it's it's a problem we still have today i guess i'm reinforcing what you're saying it's Mm -hmm. a problem and a challenge we still have today so it's very understandable that we can look with our knowledge of hebrew and say oh look different vocabulary and oh Mm-hmm. whole different theological perspective here that's not the original jeremiah but it's not like we put in italics or or cut it out completely we just say hey be aware different mm-hmm. author. yeah right 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 or authors it it could be a whole committee <laughs> yeah. of men and women sitting there going you know maybe this is what should be no, no, no. yeah so, it could be a council i mean yeah yeah absolutely um now i don't most most everything that is said here in this Jeremiah verse, uh, uh, like like I said up at the top of it, uh, reminds me a lot of Isaiah. You're right. Uh, uh, there's nothing that really, uh, other than as you pointed out, uh, the sudden interest in the monarch. Um, there there's not too much that feels different than what Isaiah was saying. Um, right. Walking walking in a straight path. We're going to, you know, they're going to come together uh, uh, after having been scattered. They're going to be radiant and, and um, all these blessings will flow. The only turn of phrase here in this translation that does cock my head slightly to the side 
and and wonder what does it mean by that because it's I've I've never heard anybody uh, uh, say that there will be rejoicing in this very specific way. I will give the priests their fill of fatness. Oh, he's talking what? about me. You know how I look in a winter sweater from last season. <laughs> I, it's one of those like you know the 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 grapes will be bountiful and the wine and grain and oil will flow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why the priests? <laughs> Why the singling out of this group of people? You know, the young women will rejoice in the dance. Okay, sure. The young men and the old shall be merry. Okay, sure. The priests will get their fill of fatness. Okay, wait, why? <laughs> why are the priests associated with fatness it it's it has to do with uh what basically what that means is that people are making the accurate um meat offerings to god okay and, okay it's referring to the offerings right and gotcha. basically the way the the um priests were paid or you know were able to to survive was that they got to eat those offerings oh okay so no longer would they be starving to death on the few pigeons that were offered to god now they're going to be back to having some oxen and things like that right the fattened calf and yeah okay i gotcha Okay. Sheep and all that stuff. Um, so it, it's a symbol. It's a poetic symbol for prosperity in the land. Right, because if the people are are prosperous, their their um, their offerings will reflect that. Yeah, their 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 animal sacrifices will will be back up to the numbers that they used to be, and yeah. they'll have um, they'll have all the uh, the animals to to uh, give to see and. And one of the mistakes you made was you didn't read the following half verse. Yeah. Forgetting your Hebrew poetry lessons. That <laughs> yeah. Hebrew pro poetry puts together the same meaning one after another. I will give the priests their fill of fatness and my people shall be satisfied with my bounty. Right. Okay. Okay. So, so everyone's everyone has more than enough to eat. Right, and because the people get to eat up the sacrifice as well, not just the priests. Oh, that I okay. I didn't. I actually don't think I knew either of those yeah. things. So, yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's a nice poetic way of saying yeah. You'll you'll have enough animals so that, and it's it's not just about um, eating well. It's symbolic of being able to pray well again because they haven't been able to make these sacrifices while they were in Babylonia right so it's that's a, true like frankly it's a covid19 promise so don't worry you'll get to receive communion again mm -hmm. and that that's yep. really what this is talking about gotcha so so modern day version of this would say something like the priests will get their fill of wine again i don't know phil but yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i think to use churchy language they will partake of the wine again and the gotcha People shall have coffee hour. I... <laughs> <laughs> Donut church. <laughs> right. Donut church shall return in abundance. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I got you. And uh, anything else about this uh, this reading uh, that, that stands out? Um, just, and we've been saying it sort of gently, but this is really worth reading in parallel with similar passage in Isaiah. Mm -hmm. to, to really, and part of that is whenever... You hear someone saying, oh, the Old Testament is just a bunch of people killing each other. Read this with the similar passages in Isaiah, knowing that these are some of the, the most recent portions of the Hebrew scriptures and mm -hmm. see how much the imagery had developed through the centuries around God being compassionate and loving and people being able to hear that and that makes sense because the biggest reason that the earlier passage are so bloodthirsty is that's the only thing people would listen to hmm yeah you know, to them die hard was a christmas movie <laughs> i mean it is though yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, we won't go into that one. Yeah. But yes, I got you. That makes sense. That makes sense. That's what. Uh, that's what. It's what the people wanted. So therefore, it's what was written. Uh, it was the well, more it's entertaining. what they would listen to. Right. It was the more entertaining. Yeah. It would engage them, and then you could sneak in good theology. Yeah, I got you. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. You tell it tell it through the story that the that the people will listen to. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on to our second reading. Uh, this one comes from Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 3, then uh, through 6, and then we skip a little, uh, 15 through 19a. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that, with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe? <clears throat> um so Ephesians is Pauline, yes. 50-50 chance, you lose. Ah. <laughs> Ephesus. I mean, isn't that the it, that's a is Ephesus was a Greek uh location, right? Well, yeah, but um for a whole lot of reasons, it's pre it's easy to say Oh, I'm wrong. No, it's Turkey. Yeah. It's modern day Turkey. Okay. Um and both the way it's construct, the way it's the letters constructed, the theology in it, the phrasing you use, the better, frankly, better grammar by modern standards mm -hmm. than the Pauline letters, it's believed to be um, written by someone who's a close follower of Paul, but written after his death to try to gather together the pieces of his teachings that were being forgotten. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, the Oh, and the earliest copies of this letter we can find do not mention Ephesus. Interesting. Uh, is that is that what is said at the top? Because, I mean, obviously, chapter 1, verse 3, we're starting, like, the beginning part of the letter. What's, what are and, the first? Yeah, so that's, that's how it would have started. <clears throat> the earliest okay. um, parchments and scrolls and stuff that we have. What are the what are the first couple of verses um, then? Because usually, if, if it's Paul, that would be the the giveaway. If it was Paul, it, was, it would say something like he, he literally does start it off like a letter. Um, you well, know, greetings it, to you and say hi to it, Tom, who I haven't seen in a while. <laughs> the, the way the earliest, I just want to make sure I get this right. Yeah, the earliest ones start with Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Christ Jesus. Mm. So it skips Ephesus and um, the phrase about and our faithful in Christ Jesus. I mean, and our faithful it just goes to the saints in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is a, that is a, a very Pauline phrase. Yeah. It, it, uh, the, the, the first few verses there in the reading remind me a lot of something that you would, Maybe here at the top part of a church service these yeah. days. Yeah. Um, I could I can very easily imagine in, you saying this during uh during the opening welcome part to a church right. service. And in morning prayer <laughs> is one of the options. So you very well okay. may have heard. Hey, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Um uh I have it up here, but I didn't have a chance to read it. The part that I, I usually ask, what is it that we skipped and why? Um, but I don't necessarily know why we skipped um, <laughs> six through 14 or seven through 14. Um, it feels as though, um, 
I think just because it it gets so redundant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the lect- lectionary creators really want to get to the meet in fifteen to nineteen. Right, right. Which, which, um, so the redundancy does feel uh, a little bit more Pauline because that I shouldn't I shouldn't use the word redundant for Paul because <laughs> he really does he really does just simply approach it from different angles to make sure that he has everybody along with him. So, um, but but also, yeah, this this portion also feels uh, like Paul talking about. I've heard of your faith. I've heard of the good work that you've been doing. That's often found in a lot of the letters that he writes to right. locations. Uh, I've heard of the good work that, that the, you and this other person have been doing in your congregation and applaud you for, like, that's the, that's very much his style. So um, uh, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus uh, and your love toward all the saints. Um, so he's like building them up. Is this the, is this the, 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 um, part of the letter that is praising and lauding uh, um, the recipients of this letter so that he can start uh, um, uh, gently correcting them in later verses? Is that how this bit, is going to yeah. work? Okay. Um, but he never... You guys are doing such a great job. There is one, one thing I'd like you to consider changing, and here's five verses, or five chapters of that. <laughs> Yeah, it's not nearly as long. the The tough parts aren't aren't as long, but it's yeah, it follows that structure, um, and it's a little clumsy, clumsier. Gotcha. <laughs> a little more clumsy than a genuine Pauline letter does. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, does the work, but yeah, it's that same thing of oh, you're doing great, you're doing great, but better get away from those pagan idols, and gotcha. so on and so forth. Yeah, it, uh, what, what is the, because uh, I don't think, we don't really get, even get a hint in it in the lectionary reading. What is the, uh, what is the area that needs improvement uh, for, that uh, Ephesians uh, focus on? Well, again, it's, it's more of a general letter. So it's not nearly okay. as interesting as Corinthians, where he literally starts to criticize the menu at the parish potluck. It's much right. more general and not intended for any particular audience it's instead mm-hmm. yeah you can read this anywhere and we'll remember what um our great teacher had been trying to tell us during his life hmm. yeah and it, it, it does have and it does have to be completely honest it does have the um wives be subject to your husband's portion and mm-hmm. husbands be subject to wives which of course is always left out <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the yes one of the uh one of the pieces of uh, uh biblical writings that is uh i think more widely believed to be out of date at this point yeah and the nice <laughs> thing is so. paul can just say no i didn't write that <laughs> there you go there you go no no no. don't put my name on it <laughs> and, and then after that it, it gets even worse perhaps i think worse anyway of um it, talk, it it talks about slavery as something that isn't just supposed to be eliminated, but instead supposed to be lived with grace. Of <laughs> slaves obey your masters, masters be gentle to your slaves, sort of thing. Right. Um, which, in Paul's genuine letters, um, it's much more. He is much more heading towards. Owners of slaves, you have to free them. Right. And well, and, and the, the the level of slavery at the time was was oh yeah, it's a, much, a different concept. Yeah, really. it wasn't it multi generational. It wasn't you didn't own the person body and soul like in right. um, the United States, but instead it was you owned this person for either a set time or until they died. And any children they had were born free and were, will always be free. If they got mm-hmm. married, their wife was free and um, etc. It was very different. But in, shoot, now I'm forgetting where it is. My brain is running out of some gas post-Christmas. That um, there's a, a portion that we don't read very often where Paul tries to intercede, well does, intercede on behalf of a runaway slave 
and telling the master, there's a good reason this guy ran away and you need to change your ways. Um, hmm. Which you know, would have been very, very rude and radical and you know, a good way to lose a major giver to the church type of right. behavior on Paul's part. Hmm. But unfortunately, yeah. it's in an obscure short letter, so it's hardly ever read on a Sunday, if ever. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think the the uh, more relatable version of, I think, slavery that is used here, especially in the New Testament, <clears throat> would be like our concept around like debtor's jail, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, you, you, the slave you could buy debt. their way out. Right, you you owed a debt, and it was because of that debt that you were enslaved, uh, and yeah. you were essentially working it off. And oftentimes, it was it was understood ahead of time that that was part of the contract. That oh yeah, hey, you do this, and and people often, unless they were captives from a war, people often entered into slavery voluntarily. It was almost like getting a mortgage, right. Where they would say, yeah, I'll, I'll work as an indentured servant to you for X number of years in exchange for the money you give me right now, which will allow me to buy a farm that mm -hmm. my wife and children will work and I'll go to when this time of labor is done. Right. And for some of us, so for some of us, uh, modern day employment isn't too, doesn't feel too terribly different. There have been many who have reflected <laughs> on that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so... Um, I guess we, we I did go off on uh, lead us down the the road of a tangent uh, there. Obviously, uh, the the issue of slavery and and that wasn't really um, referenced here in the reading. Anything right. else about the 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 reading as it is um, that you would like to point out? Because obviously, this is it, it kind of does feel very tied to the first reading in right. that it's talking about giving thanks and and uh uh having uh, uh being grateful for the immeasurable greatness of his power where you know the 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 first reading was kind of talking about the same thing that the uh you're going to get a bounty out of uh uh from from god and bringing everyone together and yeah one one reason that it's one way that ephesians contrasts from genuine paul writings is that we see this in verse three of the um, who is blessed. I better read the whole thing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul would never have said in the heavenly places. Hmm. Because for Paul, part of what he kept trying to hammer home was you are in the kingdom of God now. Mm -hmm. And all you see around you is about to go away. Hmm. Because Paul was someone who thought the second coming was going to be within his own lifetime or at most the lifetime of people um, who were alive shortly after Paul's own death. Whereas Ephesians is beginning to express a theology of how do you get through everyday life when you don't know when the world's going to end. Right. Um, yeah. And so it starts to have an emphasis on the rewards of heaven when hmm. the world's treating you like dirt. Got it. Yeah. 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 It's starting to, to adjust to that reality of yeah. like, well, maybe it's not, maybe it's not right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, and you can almost picture the guy, the author of this, the man or woman who's the author of this saying, you know, if Paul died before Christ came back, we better be ready to hang around for a while. Right. And so that's really a major focus of this letter is how do you live in the in-between time, which has no discernible end. And so that's why it goes on with some of these very unhelpful behavior standards. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, this is one of the few times I'll say, don't read the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just get you, you can... off track. Go back to Corinthians can... or Romans. <laughs> can skip this one there you go people uh you heard it here uh you can skip this one That's um, right. <laughs> uh well speaking of skipping let's skip uh i guess technically we're we're jumping backwards not skipping uh the, the gospel reading is coming from john uh chapter one verse one through eighteen 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The, shine, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God who was na whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world became, came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, all who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God and the only Son who is close to the Father's heart who has made him known. Um, <clears throat> first and foremost, uh, just pointing out, John, the gospel writer, is not John the Baptist, right. uh, identified in the story. It's a common name, but, but just to clarify. Um, this seems like uh, some really early theology as to um, uh, what later becomes kind of the Holy Trinity. Right. Uh, but, like, but, but kind of trying to establish and parse in their own words um who what the relationship between christ and god is um is this the earliest version of that as far as like i mean That's this hard. does feel fairly theological like mo more modern theological well yeah it's 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 hard to know if it's the earliest because i yeah could be a matter of years between saying what's the earliest and what was the second earliest and that sort of thing right and remember the gospel of john was written after the first three gospels which were yeah. written after the genuine paul letters mm -hmm. and so the only thing that we know in the new testament so in the bible that's younger than the gospel of john is the book of revelation Hmm. there's a there's a possibility that some of the other letters that don't have an attribute that are not attributed to paul could be after um the gospel of john but we really we we just don't know mm -hmm. um and even the first letter the even the letters of john there's some speculation that they were sort of the rough draft for the gospel of john that's putting mm. it too lightly that those were the first communications about mm. this kind of theology around Jesus and people became so interested in it that the community that produced the letters of John said, Oh yeah, we better write all this stuff down and produce the gospel of John, whether it was the same mm. exact mm. individual or not. Maybe, maybe not. Um, you can already kind of tell here, uh, specifically in verse 12, that his theology, though, um, does seem to differ from Paul's. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, he's definitely and, after Paul. Yeah. So so Paul's mentality was, whether you like it or not, you're part of this, part of this story, part of this family. And you can tell here in verse 12 that John's theology is like, oh, yeah, no, 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 you got to receive him and believe in him and then you're allowed to be a part of this family um am i wrong on that or i mean that does seem kind of you're medium wrong but not completely wrong. 
Fair, fair. Um, okay. Gos- the Gospel of John has a lot of influence on it from the various Gnostic movements that were very prevalent in, in well, really throughout the Roman Empire in various um, different religions, but within Ju- Judaism, within what we now call the Holy Land, there were various different um, groups within Judaism that were Gnostic, and those sort of, how should I put it, that's not a good way. Those influenced new gatherings mm-hmm. of Christians who, who found a easy connection between the Gnostic traditions and the, the newly forming Christian teachings. So Gnosticism is a belief that there's special knowledge and almost secret knowledge that only the most devout followers of God receive. Mm. And... So there's definitely an insider-outsider dynamic within a um, surrounding a Gnostic tradition. Again, regardless of whether it's Jewish, Christian, Roman, Greek, whatever. Um, so that's part of what you're seeing here is that there's already either and maybe referencing maybe the author is presuming everyone knows about this insider-outsider thing, or maybe it's mm-hmm. just developing. That if you are accepting of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you'll have ready access to the knowledge and wisdom of the ages. And if you're not willing to receive God, um, the one true God, then you won't have access to that. And you'll be, um, therefore, quite different from the people on the inside. Hmm. That's probably one of the more neutral ways of putting it. You should... (laughs) Usually the Gnostics come out sounding pretty judgmental towards others. (laughs) Uh, What? Members of the church come across judgmental? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, (laughs) So let me, let me ask about some of the, the the wording here too, because uh, there's, there's some words that he uses that in, in, it might do well for us to clarify what it means. So he uses the, he uses the phrase, the word. Yeah. Uh, what, what do we think the word specifically, I want to ask about the word and the light, uh, cause the word is, uh, word is capitalized. Light is not, but both seem to be, uh, like placeholder words for something else. Well, the, the word, what, and this was originally written in Greek would have been. In, well, is in Greek logos, which mm-hmm. in Greek and Roman Gnostic pagan religions was all wisdom. Mm. Okay. So that, in a sense, that's what you strived to be in intimate relationship was with logos. And gotcha. in the Gospel of John, it refers to Christ. That portion okay. of the one true God that would, uh, when the time became right, would be incarnate in Jesus. So okay. it's, and unfortunately, a lot of Christians just say, oh, this is the Bible. And it's actually almost the opposite. Where right. to John, more important than any written word was a living, and is, a living relationship with God. And that that becomes most easily accomplished by a relationship with Christ, because that's just so easily relatable for a human being. Mm-hmm. And then right. light is the one true God's inspiration and action throughout the world. It's not okay. quite the same as the Holy Spirit, but it, you know, when you wouldn't be too far off if you wanted to make that equivalency, but that's why it's not capitalized is, is that it's not simply the Holy spirit. It's more God's and I'm using big waving hand motions here, overarching activity and presence in the world. Right. So it's not a, it's not a title like the word is, it is, it is referring to, um, yeah, like you said, kind of an action, uh, um, some sort some sort of action word because part of Gnosticism, and certainly part of the theology of John, Gnostic or not, 
is that if you pay attention, you'll see God everywhere. And that's, mm. that's what that light is. I mean, literally, you go outside and you can see because there's sunlight. Well, mm. that's from God. Keep going on mm. that path through meditation and prayer and action. And you'll begin to perceive that that light is not just hydrogen a million miles away or however far away the, the sun is. I'm weak on that this morning. Coming to the <laughs> earth. Mm -hmm. I have grandchildren. I'm supposed to know this stuff. <laughs> Coming to the <laughs> earth. But also the light of God that's animating all life on earth. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of these things where you got, you, you, you almost have to just be staring at a sunrise or a sunset and being completely calm and quiet inside and letting that fill you. And then you might be able to read the first chapter of John with a sense of accuracy. Hmm. It does. It does strike me as interesting when he brings John the Baptist into the discussion. Mm -hmm. He says that he himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. It seems odd that he uses the light there instead of the word because he's really referring to. Yeah, he's really I would think he's really referring to the person who has, you know, the entity that has this title. Well, because to... John the Baptist, by especially in the Gospel of John, by John the Baptist's own admission, he really didn't. He knew that he was the forerunner of something, but he didn't know what. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. in retrospect, we can say, well, he's the forerunner of Jesus. But right. When John was actually ministering, he didn't know if it was the end of the world. He didn't know if it was a political or military leader. He didn't know if it was an economic revolution. He just knew this was what he was called to preach for people right. to get their lives straightened out. And he knew that he was not it. Right. That, and John, it. Gospel of John really emphasizes that. Right. Right. Now, we've, we've talked um, about that before, that... By the time the Gospel of John was written, the last of the Gospels was written down, there were still John the Baptist churches, so to speak, congregations active. And part of John's Gospel's message is, you guys are nice, but you're off track. Right. Yeah. Come Talk join our too. congregation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, anything else about the Gospel here? Um, it's a good... This passage... Is a good one to read with the first letter of John next to you, because then they, they have mm. overlapping language and imagery and poetry. And you can really see uh, probably in the letter, an earlier version of the hymn that or poem that this first chapter was based on. Also, mm -hmm. um, there's pretty strong consensus among scholars that this was popped onto the beginning of the gospel rather than written first and the gospel flowing from it. That oh, interesting. It was the gospel of John was done and the community sort of proofread and said, you know, we don't think people are really going to get this unless we say something at the beginning, like those other gospels have about Jesus being born. And this is what they consciously decided to put there because hmm. by the time the gospel of John came around, they had access almost certainly to Matthew's story of how Jesus was born, probably too, to the Luke story of Jesus being born. They decide not to go with any of those, but instead like to start with a, a Mark type of beginning with John the Baptist, but first what we call the prologue. Hmm. And so they want something about the preexistence of Christ um, as God. Um, and yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to read about. It's fascinating to just um, meditate on. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, with that, I think we'll end uh, this podcast. Your the your podcast for January third, twenty twenty one. We made it, everyone. Uh, <laughs> we got over the line. <laughs> the second Sunday after Christmas. Uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as always, please uh, uh, feel free to visit our website, hfec.org, to find out what's going on with the church. Join us on uh, Sunday morning with a 9 a.m. Facebook watch party. The, the church service video will be up on our YouTube channel at HFEC Videos uh, on YouTube. 
Uh, and uh, with that, I think we'll end. And Let me add one more thing. Ne- oh, oh, Two more things. Yes. In 2021, um, there's going to be a great Bible study on the Gospel of Mark. They'll meet okay. on Thursday evenings on Zoom. You can read about that on the parish website. And right now, there's available on the 12 Days of Christmas page on the website fascinating short videos on just fun little things. So I did one on Malo railroading. Um, Betty Bogeman did one on raising a puppy, which is so cute. I could watch it over yes. and over and on and on and on. There are 12 different uh, episodes that are, are a lot of fun to um, watch when you realize how awful the college bowl games are this year. <laughs> or if you don't like college football at all, yeah, uh, all are welcome. All are welcome. All are welcome uh, <laughs> from wherever you are coming. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Well, until next week, uh, thanks for joining us. But I have been Ben. And I have been Bruce. And I shall continue to be so in 2021, God willing. <laughs> and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>